blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Scalpels and Tequila, a Grey's Anatomy recap podcast. I'm Ayla. And I'm Tamsin. And Tamsin's struggling to drink her frosty, (laughs) frosty coconut water because it's hot. Yeah, this is the hottest day we've had this year. We're both struggling. Yeah. Um, yes, this is, I'm Tamsin and we're doing season three, episode 10, Don't Stand So Close to Me. And that couldn't be more true for both of us right now. Right now. <laughs> I'm so upset that my legs are touching right now. Straddle like the it's... chair. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm deliriously looking at my notes and all it says is, don't stand so close to me, Dash. I couldn't tell you what this episode was about because this song was stuck in my head the whole time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, this mm-hmm. is pretty, it's it's kind of clear because, I mean, last episode they were all fighting about their loyalties and how close they were to people and they were so upset when all of this trust got broken and now we're seeing kind of the aftermath of that and everyone's like putting up their barriers and not wanting to be close anymore because all of them feel like they lost their trust. They all feel betrayed. So they're going into their own little shells. I was 100% right. This definitely is the start of, you know, the, the season coming back after the break because everyone has mm. a new haircut. <laughs> I think you're right. Mm-hmm. So as usual, we start with a monologue from Meredith and she says, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, all we really want is to be close to somebody. So this thing where we all keep our distance and pretend not to care about each other, it's usually a load of bull. So we pick and choose who we want to remain close to. And once we've chosen those people, we tend to stick close by, no matter how much we hurt them. The people that are still with you at the end of the day, those are the ones worth keeping. And sure, sometimes close can be too close, but sometimes that invasion of personal space, it can be exactly what you need. Are you a fan of the weighted blanket and the bear hug when you're fizzing out? Mm. Having a bad yeah. moment? Not, not really. Sometimes like a really tight hug is good, but I don't think I could handle a weighted blanket, not for sleeping anyway. Oh, I don't like being too. <laughs> I think we're just upset both. I think we might just be both. I think we both might be very preoccupied with how warm it is right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in, I'm very sweaty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not feeling good. This episode had some pretty big triggers for me in it, especially with our family stuff. The Ellis of it all. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of family dynamic stuff for Meredith this episode. It is very much like um questioning a lot of things like is the family the people that you're born to is the family the people that you choose and are they people you're related to yeah exactly there's kind of three families that Meredith's dealing with this episode which I do find really interesting it's a big day for her so we do start off with Meredith seeing her mum and her mum is very upset because she knows that Richard has gone back to Adele She's Which living is, in the moment that she went through 25 years uh, ago when he wouldn't leave his wife for her. She's reliving all of that again, which is really painful mm-hmm. for Meredith. It's really painful for everybody. It's really hard to watch when Ellis is like this. It's particularly hard for Meredith because this is the first time Ellis actually verbalises something that Meredith has always felt, and that is that Ellis believes that her life is worse for having a child because Weber didn't want children and he doesn't want her because she had a child. Yeah. And look, if you've got children and you didn't want to have children, well, you have a couple of options. I mean, but none of those options are telling your child that. Yeah. That's not, that's, that's really awful. I mean, she doesn't think that she's talking to Meredith, so she's not tra- like intentionally doing this, but Meredith should never have to hear this or have these it conversations. Really awful. It's really awful. I blame Weber. Yeah, we can blame Weber for a lot this episode. So then the main things that happen this episode is we have 
the fallout of Burke and Christina or the lack thereof of Burke and Christina's operating together. I was about to say their deceit, but I really do think it's just Burke's deceit. I don't think Christina should be being blamed for this. No, which is crazy because, again, Bailey is taking the responsibility for Christina's actions on her shoulders and (laughs) Burke is a fuckwit. Yeah, Burke's not taking any of it. And what's so shocking for Bailey is that the chief has sat down Burke, Christina, uh, Derek and Bailey in his office and he's basically saying that there's not going to be any repercussions. Nothing's going to happen. And this is shocking for Bailey because Bailey has just been through such hell after everything that happened with Denny because it all fell on Bailey's head. And now watching this go down, watching no one be punished for this or nothing happen. I think she just really wants people to know that it's not her fault because the Denny Duquette saga was all placed on her. It was her fault. She was ripped apart in the m She was, you know, seen poorly in the eyes of other attendings and surgeons in the hospital rather than Burke was. So I think her need for repercussions is a need to be justified in her role as a teacher and chief resident and that this isn't her fault and it wasn't actions that she condoned or was knowledgeable of. Well, she feels undermined. Correct. She feels like her power and her responsibility doesn't mean as much now mm-hmm. because she gets no say in anything. She's completely undermined in every in every regard. It's coming at her from all sides, you know. Mm-hmm. And I totally understand that. I really feel for Bailey in this episode because she was punished so hard and she's been beating herself up so much. She's been questioning herself. She's been, like, even, I don't think the chief really understands how the actions of Christina and Burke negatively affected other people within her team Mm -hmm. either. Like, Bailey's been wandering around this hospital for potentially months feeling like she's lost the respect of someone that she admires and that she's unwanted in surgeries. Which is gut-wrenching. And what a blow to your Mm self-confidence. So what's really interesting is, Bailey actually opens up to Derek about this in this really beautiful scene. Should we get into that now or should we get into that later? Just feel like we're talking about Bailey. Yeah, go for it. Actually, we'd like to hear back from you, our listeners. We really enjoy recording and listening to the episodes where we just kind of talk about what's going on and we do jump a little bit back and forth, but everyone's seen the episode. We find them more fun. How do you guys like it? Do you enjoy the ones where we just end up jumping a little bit all over the place or do you like it a little bit more structured and following our mm. patients? That's a good idea, actually. Let us know. But because we are talking about Bailey at the moment, just before Bailey and Derek go into a surgery, Bailey opens up because Derek is has been pushing back. He doesn't want to do this surgery today. And Bailey says, I started to think that I shouldn't be operating after the Duquette M&M. All the whispers and talking, I let that in. I started to question myself. I believed when I was told I was no longer of use in the OR. There are lives in my hand. To make me question that, it's like to put a life at stake every time I hold a scalpel. And I love that we get this insight into Bailey. And this is so valid. Mm -hmm. Of course she feels like this. It is. And it's a total reflection on how Derek feels, finding out that he thought that he had done the impossible and perfectly fixed a bullet shot wound to the arm and it's not for months later that he find out that no he hadn't Mm -hmm. and that he could have helped and he wasn't allowed to help Mm -hmm. and the fact that his boss is screaming down his neck that I want that arm fixed that arm is worth two million dollars and it's your fault why the fuck is Burke getting away with this again that's what I was going to say too like the chief is mad now at Derek, when probably months ago, when it first happened, when Derek could have checked it straight after surgery or, you know, closer to the time, it's probably going to be easier to fix then rather than months down the line when it's probably healing wrong. Correct. There's more, there's more damage done. Bailey's the only person who puts any fault on Burke yeah. by saying to Derek, he could have told you he had a tremor. It's not like there was numbness or anything that you could perceive. It was a tremor and he needed to let you know. And he didn't because he's a big fucking crybaby. So that's another kind of domino effect from Burke and Christina because 
the chief does say in this opening thing, the chief says, like, how is this even impacting you? And we're seeing all the ways this is impacting the people around us. I mean, Christina has been ostracized from her peers. We've got Bailey questioning her own authority. We've got Bailey walking around like people, like she's, like she's failed again. And now you've got Derek who is too scared to go into surgery because he feels like he failed. And that's what Bailey's saying. You can't question your own ability because you have lives in your hands. As soon as you're second guessing and questioning yourself in there, when you have a scalpel, it's dangerous. So there's so many things that Burke's deceit is affecting. Mm -hmm. And the worst part is when you look at it from the chief's perspective, he's not wrong. They didn't injure any patients. There was no malpractice. Mm-hmm. They didn't cause any harm. There's not really anything to punish. It's like there's nothing, there's no specific cause and effect that is tangible enough to, to do anything about. This is where you need someone in HR. This is where HR should step in and be like, look at all of the mental health that is affecting all of these people. Oh, God, I would love to meet the HR manager. <laughs> God damn. Did HR even exist back then? I really think it's unfair that Chief is screaming like, this is a $2 million hand, like you need to fix it, Derek. Why? Okay, so something that really flagged me in this episode is all of the men in this episode who are angry at other men are able to forgive their grievances but are having a lot of trouble forgiving the women. Well, there is a lot of anger this episode. Everyone is pushing everyone away. It's just no one is calling Burke out on any of his shit. Totally. But we've also got like George mad, George's dad. Every, everyone is angry. So angry. Speaking of George and his father doing emergency planning in case he passes away. And the one thing that is most important to him that George knows to take care of the magazines under his bed. Yeah. You think your homemaker wife doesn't know about those magazines? Oh, it's amazing. You really think they're that well hidden? Well, they're, they're in the garage hidden amongst his truck magazines. She knows. <laughs> she know, Of course she knows. Also, everybody watches porn. Have you not seen that lumberjack guy cutting wood on TikTok? <laughs> Oof. I think it's the sounds he makes. That's amazing. But I don't, I don't know. He, he calls his logs good girls as he cuts them and it's just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. There was um, firefighters selling like the firefighter, topless firefighter um, calendars at the supermarket the other day. It was great. I love it when men get objectified. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's move out my magazine and mum's got breakfast out. And the brothers are are running in. And Callie stops in to say hi and she gets mm-hmm. cold-shouldered and grumpified by George again. Again. And actually gets called out by his dad multiple times today, but this morning he's very much like, uh, are you mm-hmm. not going to say hello to Dr. Torres? What's up with you? Which I really appreciate George's dad for picking up on. And then we get a, more of a scene later. But George is stomping around the hospital so grumpy again. Yeah. But I guess, you know, like last week, we do. there's a reason for it. Like he would be stressed that his dad's going through this. But at the same time, why are you being so rude to everyone? He's also just being really smug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, especially to Dr. Hahn, who you brought in as a last resort because you couldn't trust Dr. Berg. Hahn ends up getting Yang as her patient of the day, much to the dismay of all of our interns who very much feel like she should be punished. Yeah. And he just starts tearing into them and trying to tell both of them how to do their jobs. It's disgusting. His behaviour is really abhorrent. To the point where Han tries to have him removed and he pulls a, um, I'm paying you, I can do whatever I like. He shouldn't be working today. Absolutely not. And Bailey tells him to fuck right off. And with George having to stay 50 feet away, we get to see this really... Great scene with Han and Yang filling out paperwork. As they are, Dr. Burke comes up and Han says, oh, Dr. Yang studied under you. You trained her well. 
and you see this 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 look of pleading from Yang staring at Burke for an acknowledgement because we find out they've been living in silence. And he says, yes. That's all we get from him, a yes. And she just looks so proud and so honoured to be given this tiny speck of respect and praise. But all he has to say for her is she's very professional. Really? You can't just give her a little bit of praise? Mm-mm. We've been through that. We've we've done that. I'm done with it. I'm so done with it. So cutting. He's just he needs to feel like he's punishing her now. It's gross. Nasty little comments as well. Yeah. And what we also see is throughout the day there's moments where Christina is around the other interns, around her peers, and they everyone except Meredith is really angry at her. Mm-hmm. They're giving her the silent treatment. They're giving her, they're staring at her. They're, they're really fuming and totally. George even says, like, I can't believe you were going to let Burke operate on my dad with a shaky hand. And I I do understand where he's coming from. That Yang's comeback to that is stop looking at me like that. It's creepy and it makes you look like you haven't been fed. She's always good with the comebacks, even if she's upset. Always good with the comeback. This is all Burke's fault. Burke has the power in this relationship. I think they're all going to be sick of us saying that this is Burke's responsibility and Burke's fault. No one else can conceptualise that this isn't on Christina. Izzy wants her to get punished the same way that she's currently being punished. Izzy, you let the situation that you were in go on for, what, over a year? And you never confessed. You got caught because you killed someone. Christina actually had the the goal and you know, the courage to come forward. Mm. And Dobbin, her boyfriend and her boss. Correct. And Alex is just furious at her for not being kicked out. And I think that's mostly in defense of the way Izzy's being treated. Alex is also pretty jealous. Mm -hmm. Christina getting to do all these really impressive surgeries and getting the attention of this famous surgeon in Dr. Burke, like he, it does... I mean, it has been looking like favoritism. I mean, but now they've found out the truth, they should really all be flocking to her and helping her because the truth is that she was being silenced and gaslit and she kind of had to do this. Oh, no, 100% she was. But at the start of their relationship, there was definite favoritism. So I can understand how Hmm. that favoritism moving forward is causing them strife and they're seeing it going on and on because none of our other interns have had a chance to have a go at totally cardio totally and they're in their third year but christina's also just she knows how to do all these impressive things she can decannulate a heart she can do a running whip stitch all of these things that they would all kill to be able to do and be able to do well and to have done now multiple times and i think they're all just realizing how much she's actually got to do because they're like, oh, my goodness, all of those times you were with Burke, you were doing operating, you were actually working. Whereas most of the time for them, they're watching, they're doing a couple of things here and there, they're helping, they're doing suction, maybe they're closing. But Christina's actually doing the procedures and it's probably all starting to really... What's going on outside your window? I think someone's gardening. Is it really loud? Can you hear the scraping of bricks? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what it is. This probably won't be able to pick it up, but I could hear it. Okay, cool. I'm hoping it can't be picked up, but I don't know. They couldn't hear the construction out of my window Mm. yesterday, last time, so I think it'll be fine. I agree. All they're seeing is the fact that she's learning how to do all these things and having the opportunity to do them and not the fact that she has been forced to run herself ragged to do things that are years and years above her skill set and the fact that she's been neglecting her opportunities to try any other field or get any experience in any other department. Yeah, so as much as they are seeing the fact that she's being favourite, they're not seeing all the other ways that she's being let down and missing out on opportunities to do other things. And I think case in point of that is today where her punishment is, yeah, being able to do more cardio than she's been doing for months and months and missing out on the opportunity to fuck around with some conjoined twins. So this is our big case of the day. 
mm-hmm. big groundbreaking surgery that's getting, you know, nationwide attention. It's a big media thing. The chief is so excited about it. And we meet our patients. Pete and Jake, our late age conjoined twins who want to get separated after what looks like about 30, 35 years together mm. um, because Pete, Jake, Jake is in love. And the actress that he's in love with, she was so familiar, but I couldn't place her. Oh. So are they twins? It must be twins. It must be a pair of twins, these actors. So they're the Scar brothers. They are like comedians. They always work together. I think they write stuff. They have a really popular podcast called Scarborough Country. They're in heaps of shows. They've done like Better Call Saul, This American Life. I was so impressed with that surgical tool that apparently someone just managed to build in, in the space of 10 minutes where they could practice operating on them. I wonder if they actually just got a sex toy and modified it. I feel like that'd be the smartest thing to do. But what about her? What about the girlfriend, Elena? So, yes, she is really familiar. But, I mean, to me, she's really only familiar from, like, one episode of Friends, which is really funny. I feel like that's how I recognise so many people. Um, She's in this episode where Ross and Rachel have broken up and Ross meets this woman called Michelle. Um. And they kind of, Ross, like, pretends they've been dating for a long time because Rachel pops over and Michelle, they've, like, literally just met and she's afraid to use public bathrooms, so she's come up to Ross's apartment. I figured out who she is in my mind. Go. She's Nick's ex-girlfriend in New Girl. Yeah, random. She's done heaps of stuff, lots of kind of one-episode things, um, but she's she's always the girlfriend. Always the girlfriend. She's always the girlfriend. But I really liked her in this episode. Um, I think that we were saying before we started recording that there's a lot of, like, there's not a heat that goes on in this episode. And I think these are just the ones that are really fun to watch. Yeah. It's not one of those ones where there's so much going on that you you feel like you're being, like, hit with I don't even know. My brain's not working. But, you know, when there's your head's doing tennis and you're being flung around a room. Totally. You can really actually get into some of the nuances of what they're talking about and what's really going on with these characters. So the doctors that are working on these patients um, are Sloan and Derek predominantly. And all of our interns are participating on this. We've got O'Malley, Izzy, Alex, because just as they're assigning roles... Addison grabs Dr. Bailey and asks if she can have Gray for a moment. And Addison is doing a big old kindness by letting her know that her stepsister Molly um, is in the hospital, baby's coming, and that her father's wife is running around. Mm -hmm. And Meredith's a real bitch about it and says, I don't need to know this. Thank you. I appreciate it, but it's really none of my business bugger off Mm -hmm. just as mum rocks up and is so excited to see her and ask for her to be on the case but then we find out that molly doesn't know that meredith is her sister totally so molly knows that there is a meredith but she doesn't know that this This is is Meredith, meredith which i find weird well i find it weird that like Molly's mother seems like a really, really kind, pleasant person. Susan. Yeah. Um, But Dad doesn't want her, Molly, to know. Mm. Susan not Susan's choice. Susan said she wanted to say, but. Yeah. No. She was like. But Susan's so grateful that there's going to be a familiar face there and Meredith's like, it's my job to be here. She's trying Mm. to keep it very separate. She's trying to keep Um, it very professional mm -hmm. because that's what this, this episode is about. People yeah. not getting close, not opening up, putting up their little walls. Um, but, yeah, so basically they've got to go in and do a C-section and get this baby out straight away. Our baby is blue. It is very blue. And then Meredith kind of feels, spends, the baby needs surgery. Addison takes her away and says Did you that. Think, I thought it was weird that Susan was in there. 
the father is in Afghanistan. But it's not a normal birth room. They're in an OR. It's not because they're doing a C-section. But they do C-sections in birthing suites, don't they? Not if they can help it. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, The surgery, yeah, to be better off being sterile. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, like, this felt, I don't know, I think my brain was a little bit it confused did. because it feels weird because, you know, normally when we see OARs and surgeries, there's no, there's no family in there. No, C-sections are a little bit different because they're awake and they need to keep them calm. Oh, basically. that makes sense. Like we've seen a few C-sections and there's always been a, a another parent or a support person there holding their hand because mm. um, it's terrifying. Can you imagine being in an OR? everyone's doing stuff and you see how much Molly is being like jerked around and all you've got is this flimsy sheet to stop you seeing your insides being dug into by people. Horrific. No, thank you. And they are like really rattling her around to pull out the bluest baby. It's so tiny and it's not crying, it's not breathing and it's very obvious that something's wrong straight away. Addison takes the baby over to a different little area, a little tiny person, a little tiny human operating table. And Meredith has to be the one to tell Susan that the baby isn't breathing. The baby needs some help. So Addison takes the baby into surgery and tells Meredith that her job for today is to come back every hour and check in and keep the family updated, which she does. There is a little bit of a problem because Addison had had told Meredith to explained to Susan in surgery that the baby wasn't breathing and Meredith had a slight moment of freezing Mm -hmm. and that caused Addison to rethink the fact that she allowed Meredith on her service today. She said, like, it's family, you shouldn't Yeah, Addison considers it Well, Meredith Meredith doesn't. Yeah, Yeah, Meredith doesn't, which is why it was okay. But I think the moment of freezing up just took... Addison by surprise. See, I would take her moment of freezing up being the fact that we've never seen Meredith uh, do anything in peds before and seeing a tiny little blue baby for the first time, I'm assuming, would be quite scary. Yeah, I agree. Yep, and it's probably got nothing to do with the fact that it's her father's daughter's child. Yeah. Because by the end of this, you know, the, the baby's fine. She goes to tell Susan that after this very long wait that the baby's fine. And Susan says, it's going to be your niece. And she's all very excited. And Meredith is just, and I totally feel for Meredith because I would be doing the same thing. And she says, I'm really sorry. You're both very nice people, but I don't know you and you are not my family. I've had that conversation before. It's fucking weird. And it makes so much sense where Meredith's coming from. Like she doesn't know them. I just set a pretty big boundary. Last year I met my paternal mother's sister for the first time since I was maybe mm-hmm. 17. That was it. It was I was 17. I just had my tongue pierced and went to Christmas and spent the entire Christmas having my family tell me that only whores get their tongues pierced. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was 17, and they were all making jokes at me about sucking dick. And I was like, Jesus. Mm. So I met her. She just kind of immediately added me onto her family call roster. What? What even is that? Yeah, I'm talking like once a week she was calling me. What? And I was like, um, and I end up speaking to my stepmom and I'm like, I don't know what to do here because I've seen her, I've met her three times now, mm-hmm. three times. The first time we had it out and spoke about my paternal mother, mm-hmm. I said, I'm like, great, I really don't like this conversation. I don't care to do it again. Next time we saw it, it happened again. By the third time I was like, I don't need the gossip. I don't even need to know. Please stop. And then it was a weekly phone call. And she was like, your family now. And I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know if I even like you. Mm. You seem like a lovely person, but you've overstepped boundaries several times now and I need you to back the fuck off. And it's only just now Mm. as we're having this conversation that I realised that she was like, oh, I'll, I'll wait for you to call me. And I was like, great, thank you. You think of me and need anything, please give me a call. But otherwise, I don't need a weekly catch up. I don't even do that with Carrie, my stepmom. Um, and I haven't heard from her in months. So I'm sure she's probably terrified, but people very quickly drop out of my field of view, especially someone that I've not known for close to 20 years. Yeah. 
So, like, I get what Meredith is saying here. Definitely. And I know we're supposed to be on Susan's side saying we could be your family if you wanted to. And it's like, no, she can't. You cannot offer to be Meredith's family when her father has specifically said, do not involve her in our family. Fuck off, Susan. Well, actually, I don't think it... I don't think Susan deserves the fuck. Susan doesn't push it here. Susan offers because I think that's her way. I don't think Susan's. But Susan doesn't have the right to offer because Susan's husband has specifically said, I don't want this person being involved in our family. I think, I think she does. Susan has no right to offer that. What, be a secret family? Hide it from her husband? No, I think it's showing that Susan feels like she can stand up to Thatcher and say, like, look this is your kid. If this person wants a relationship with me, I'm putting it out there. If they don't, they don't. Okay. But I just, I, well, Susan is Meredith. like, I have the capacity. She doesn't know Meredith, but she's, but clearly Susan has strong fam- family, you know, family must be very important to her. And um, this type of family, blood family, Susan's daughter is Meredith's half sister. I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong of Susan to be like, I have the capacity to take you on to be your family, regardless of what her husband's saying, because, you know, Susan's trying to do the right thing for, for Susan's doing the right thing for herself. And Susan's reaching out to see if it might be the right thing for Meredith, but she doesn't push it. So I think this one time asking and letting Meredith know that she's there, if she wants is totally acceptable. If it gets further than this, if she crosses boundaries, if she pushes harder, then it then it crosses a line. I think you're right, and I think that I let my experiences get in the way of how I was feeling about this. No, that's that's fine. You're allowed to do that. <laughs> that's why we're talking about it. But as I said, yeah, this this conversation happened to me. Yeah, and you had boundaries crossed and lines walked all over, and that's not okay. Yeah. Getting back to the story, my biases aside... Meredith has decided who her family is and she will fight tooth and nail to make sure that they are happy and they are protected and they're not being dicks. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're we're back in the locker room and everyone's still being really shit to Christina and Meredith just turns around and tells them to let her off the hook. Izzy, when you were fucking around with Denny, she didn't talk shit about you. She came in and she helped you with the EKG, and she helped. Alex, when you were nearly kicked out, she helped you study for boards. Yeah. She made them all recognise that Christina's been there for them in the past. Yeah. And their family, they need to forgive. Everyone realised except for George. But Christina just says, why can't you mind my own business? Why can't you mind your own business? You're my family. You're my sister. You're all that I've got. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful scene. It's a beautiful little ending. Izzy and Alex both apologise. I really wish they had a little chat here about being like, this isn't Christina's fault. Like, this is Burke's fault. But it's okay. We get apologies and we're going to move through this. And Christina is fucking exhausted. Also sleeping on the couch. And... I love these two so much. I love their friendship so, so much. But, yes, back to the twins. Sorry for that very long segue. Sloane and Derek are working on the twins with all of our interns except for Meredith and Yang. Mm -hmm. And, unfortunately, out of all of the interns, Sloane picks Izzy because he thought Mm -hmm. that you might be good to look at while I work. Sadly, I can't defend Mark much this episode thank fucking christ because he orders another bone dry cappuccino and we both know that is not a sexy coffee order (laughs) (laughs) nor is literally telling an intern blatantly sexually harassing an intern no that their only thing and izzy just i don't do coffee well izzy fights back which I fucking oh, love. Every time with Mark, she fights back. She says, no, I don't do coffee. I'm not getting it for you, blah, blah. And then the cafeteria is down the hall. Bye. Later, she says, if you want me to respect you, you have to do something worth respecting. Oh, yeah, because he refers to her as a dog. Yeah. He says, like, fetch, stay, if and heal. Yeah. If you want to work for me, you need to learn how to fetch, 
stay and heal? Absolutely not. Where is HR? Why is no one reporting this absolute cock face? Yeah, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. But I love that Izzy is pushing back. Yeah, Izzy has nothing else to do but consider her rights. And what's interesting is, like, Alex didn't push back with Mark. Alex just did it. And I'm not I'm not reading much into that at all. It's just it's just an interesting character trait that we're seeing here. We're seeing this strength in Izzy that I don't think we see very much and I don't think people see in her very much. But I also don't think that Alex is being treated in exactly the same way as Izzy purely because Alex is a man so he gets more res- respect from Mark automatically. I mean, not really. Alex gets treated like shit from Mark. He's not called the hot blonde. No, he's or told that he's just there to be something good to look at. He's not sexually harassed. Yeah. But he is made to he's go. He's not get being coffee. taught and he's being treated so badly that Addison had to say to Alex, like, I hope he doesn't take all the good out of you. Mm-hmm. Damn it, Mark. Come on. No. But basically the surgery today and the reason that they need Mark and Derek, who have worked together before. Mm-hmm. What does Mark say? He says that they've partnered up. And Derek's like, we were never partners. We simply worked together. Um, is because they are connected at the lower spine. So they need neuro in to be able to sort of dig through all the bits. And Derek's confidence is so rocked by finding out that Burke's hand isn't good that he thinks it's too risky for all the reasons that Weber wants the surgery to go ahead. Weber wants it to go ahead because it's going to be press and it's never been done before and it's going to look great on the hospital, but if anything goes Weber wrong. Weber is acting very, very, like, chiefy today, you know? Yeah. Like, very, we need this for the reputation of the hospital. This hand cost me $2 million. No one is friends this episode. Everyone is mad Everyone's, and angry. And- no one's. Our family is dysfunctional this episode. Totally. When that dress comes and sits above your boob, is it just the most uncomfortable and deeply? Yeah, when it sits up there. It's more comfortable like this. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Gone. Yeah, because so I'm not <laughs> Yeah, because otherwise I have to like oh, yank him up into them in. <laughs> and it's like a pancake. A sexy pancake. So it's more comfortable the other way. Sorry, everyone. I'd love to send you photos of how both Tamsin and I look, but um, we're both sweaty messes and trying to make our boobs comfortable in this heat and both currently wearing house smocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yours is back to front and inside out. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I could not be asked this morning. Um, yeah, our family so is what? as dysfunctional as our titties are today. <laughs> I actually find these two twins very, very interesting. Can you imagine being 30-something and never, ever have been alone? Oh. Not alone to pee, not alone just to. I know that we're all thinking about masturbating, <laughs> immediately thinking about masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> well, not alone ever, ever. I was I was thinking about this really hard about why they didn't do it sooner. And it's like, well, I suppose with the difficulty of them doing it at fully grown, it must have been even more difficult when they were little because it doesn't seem like there's a lot holding them together that's not skin. Totally. And it also feels like, I mean, I mean, Derek says it. He says there's nothing wrong with them. They're both alive. They're both functioning. All of their organs work. This isn't a life or death situation they're both you know living it just goes to show how little regard was given to how much mental health can impact physical health it's yeah it's a really interesting conversation but also like I also don't want to say anything about like (sighs) this gets a bit tricky because it's also to discuss this in the way of like um them being physically capable and able in every way and also their their quality of life and their mental health being impacted, it's such a case-by-case situation because there are definitely people who have disabilities in areas of their life and their mental health isn't affected because having a disability doesn't mean that you 
your life isn't as valuable. I'm loving all of the current new representation that disabled people um, or differently able people are Mm. having. I think it's phenomenal and the education around disabilities and the stigma behind it. Uh, Also the treatment of disabled people because Mm -hmm. I think there was one that I watched and it was like something like 80% of people Mm -hmm. will become disabled in their lifetime. So why don't we know more about disability? Why isn't there more support out there for disabilities? What I because yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. when you think about it, it really is that a very good chance that all of us will be disabled at some point in our life, whether it through age or injury or deterioration. Like it, and also how much more open the chats about ableism yeah. are becoming. Mm-hmm. It's such a huge education for so many people, and learning to speak about it properly and learning to realize when you when you do have like you say when you do have ableism is that how you would say it like if I say something that's ableist you know it's just understanding and getting there don't know how to put that in a sentence properly when you have ableist tendencies maybe that's it but yeah clearly I'm still learning how to I think we all are and having an open mind and a willingness to be wrong and corrected Mm. And a mind that can be changed is super important. And I'm, look, at the end of the day, I think I'm really grateful to Instagram and TikTok and social media and the platform that it's given so many people to be able to speak their truth and educate, not that it is their responsibility. Also podcasts. I'm learning so much from podcasts. Digital media. Yeah. In general, just. Well, it's just, it's making, it's making voices more accessible. It's giving people platforms and it's not, well, it's funny that you bring up podcasts because so much of media is aimed towards hearing people. We discussed this when we first started doing the podcast, how we could make it more accessible to deaf listeners or people who have hearing impairments because that's a platform that, um, people with hearing difficulties just don't have access to the way that you or I do. Well, they do have access to them with some some podcasts you can and there is something I was going to, it's on my list of things to talk to you about, but you can transcribe your podcasts, get them transcribed. But I don't fully understand where that transcribe goes and how or like how they, maybe they read it. I'm not 100% sure where that goes, but I'm looking into it. But what I wanted, why I brought that up is that I think this show, actually, I please correct me if, I've, if I'm watching this wrong and if I am watching this um, from a really privileged place and not understanding. But from, from what I see, this show isn't being ableist because they're not saying there's, there's anything wrong with these guys. They're saying they have lives, but they are, the, the patients are asking for this. The patients are dictating this surgery. The patients are coming in saying, we want this because we've just gotten to this point in our lives where not having privacy is becoming an issue. Like it's being dictated by the patients. It's not being dictated by the surgeons. They didn't come in for like a a broken hand and the surgeons are like, we can fix you because you're broken. One of them does have a go about it being referred to as an elective or a voluntary surgery. And that it's the yeah. the impact of the way that they've lived their lives isn't really being taken seriously enough. Um, but I do agree with you. I think it's great that no one's talking about anything being corrected. Totally. Or they it's never mentioned that they're being made normal. There were so many air quotes going on. Yeah, you can't see Ayla doing the little air quotes. But they're not being like, fixed either you know no one's saying like no one's saying like you must have had a horrible life before this and we're going to come in and be superheroes and yeah repaired which I think is really great for a show of this time but again if I've missed something if I've read this if I have yeah I don't know tell, tell me and again we have another situation where polyamory could have been a storyline. An option because yeah. her relationship with both of these brothers is just so sweet. She 
genuinely has so much mm-hmm. love for for both of them and and they feel different needs mm-hmm. and god wouldn't that be nice yeah but it's really beautiful and it she is. doesn't see any flaws in either of them she's not the one pressuring them to be separated either no she likes she's fallen in love with both of them she's fallen in love with pete and developed a beautiful relationship with jake in an in a different way I also just want to say Pete says this line, which made me think like potentially this surgery isn't actually consensual from both of them because he says, why do I want to be attached to somebody who doesn't want to be attached to me? Correct. And I also just wanted to point that out as like a really, really good little relationship nugget for people out there that are like falling for someone or wanting the attention of someone that isn't giving them the attention back. It's like, why do you want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you? And as we have said a thousand times before, you are in a relationship with them. And if they are not reciprocating it, then leave. I mean, unless you're stalking them and they don't really know you. Well, that's a different story. And please write in and tell us about it. <laughs> Locations, names, dates, things that police can use to find you and get you the help that you clearly need. I don't know if that was it. We're sweating a lot, guys. <laughs> it's really warm. I want to get up from my seat. So basically they need to do 22 surgeries at once. 22 surgeons. They need 22 surgeons, not 22 surgeries. <laughs> I'm hot. But we do learn, we should explain. The thing that's happening with the twins is that they want to be separated because all of a sudden uh, Jake has fallen in love with Eleanor and they want some. He's been breaking the rules. He's not being quiet on dates. And when. That's Pete. Pete's not being quiet on dates. Jake and Eleanor. Thank you. Yeah. Jake and Eleanor are, I guess, technically they're together. They're in a relationship. They're in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship and they want alone time. Well, Jake wants alone alone time. And he set up rules that when they're on a date, you need to be quiet and just eat your falafel in the corner. I want to just talk about rule number one quickly. Okay, go for it. Because I think that's a bit rude. I also wouldn't eat a falafel on a date because they make you gassy. They're very garlicky. They're very drippy. Yeah. And, like, even if you're not the person who's going to be doing the sex, being the innocent bystanding farter is also not great. I, I also think like a dinner date where one person's eating a falafel is really weird. Like are they all <laughs> I feel like they could have picked it more romantic. Like it could have been like dinner dates. You have to stay quiet. You have to eat your spaghetti over there while we have our. You're telling me that delightful Mediterranean food is not sexy? I'm imagining. Just slopping hummus around the place? A truck stop kebab shop falafels. So you're telling me that I need to take you out to fancy Mediterranean food because I will. I will take you for high-end falafel. Well, that would that I wouldn't have laughed so much when it's like you eat your falafel and stay quiet. Because <laughs> it it also the the vision I have in my head is that they're out at a really romantic, beautiful dinner and they're like eating pasta and drinking red wine and there's a third wheel just sitting there having a falafel wrapped in paper like spilling oh yeah like everywhere. i'm not paying I'm not for paying you to for you eat to this 200 yeah. meal so you're bringing so in here's your, your takeaway falafel yeah <laughs> that's what i'm seeing um i i love that this is the very first time that tamsin's gone on the food tangent i know it's not normally me and it wasn't me <laughs> okay we can get to rule um, number two now because this one is fair enough no looking no talking, no touching. Now, does that specifically mean touching of her or does that mean hands by your sides, leave room for Jesus? Um, I'm assuming, yeah, none of anything. I'm assuming like you put on headphones and you watch a movie, you know, like you totally have to be not okay there. But like the movement. Yeah, you'd be rocking. <laughs> <laughs> you would be rocking out or like. I assumed that the touching happened when she was on top because to get a straddle, she'd have to have a leg wrapped around Pete and he probably touched her leg. I think she has to be on top. I don't think he can be on top. I assumed they were spooning. Mm, That would make the most sense. 
to have mm-hmm. the other twin completely uninvolved, it would be a spooning situation. On the side, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Interesting. Head must be interesting. We're both, um, I guess, picturing this right now. We're picturing. Yeah, we are. <laughs> well, basically we learn that he breaks the rules because he talks at dinner, he gets involved in conversations, which I think is fair, but he touched her during sex and I think that's weird. We do find out that they have a really intimate relationship in a different way, though. Yes. Oh, I, I, it sounds like it was not, it sounds like it was consensual from her. Mm-hmm. But it was not consensual, yeah, definitely not from, consensual the from, from the brother. Yeah. Um, and he is furious because she la- Even if you're really- not participating in the three-way, you have to have consent from both people, from both parties, to involve yourself. 100%. Yeah, so it's all a big deal and we find out that when Jake falls asleep, Pete and I talk. As I said, they they each have different kinds of relationships and different kinds of intimacy. And, um, yeah, this, this would have been a, a great way to open up that kind of a conversation. But, again, you're not in a polyamorous relationship if your partner is also not comfortable with being in a polyamorous well, relationship. he doesn't want it, yeah. What I find weird, like a choice that the show made with these characters, is that we never see Jake being kind. We kind of only really see him being pissed off at his brother. His brother I, also says that the only time I interrupt is because you speak poorly to your girlfriend. Yes, yes, yes. So this makes me really confused because it's like I wish we saw an example of what they were talking about. I wish we saw an example, yeah, of why she likes Jake because it's very obvious why she likes Pete. He sticks up for her. He's kind to her. He's interested in her. They can talk for hours, it sounds like. They can talk for extended periods of time. They're very close, very intimate, but we don't see any real connection or hear about any intimacy except the sex between the other two. Yeah, like she does say that she loves Jake um, and that she loves talking to Pete. I think she would have been happy maintaining this relationship. Definitely, but the problem is Jake is not. 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 No. Um, So they go through the surgery. And Mark calls Izzy, who is watching from the OR gallery, Mark calls Izzy down. Brings her in. She gets to scrub in and watch. And that is him trying to do something that she will respect. Correct. Look, he hasn't done much at all, but it's baby steps. It's baby steps. And, you know, they, they have this really dramatic scene where they they pull everyone, they pull the boys apart. And Derek says, who'd have thought a love triangle could have been fixed with a scalpel? <laughs> to which Mark says, if that were true, you would have stabbed me with a ten blade ages ago. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Yeah, same. I did too. I actually rewinded it to play it again. I really enjoy. I enjoy seeing these two boys really show us what their friendship is like, what it was like. Yeah, what it was like because they yeah. do have moments where they can click back into it a little bit, like this with this banter, and I really like it. So, what really frustrated me is they pull these twins apart. These grown men who have spent their entire lives never, ever, ever being alone and they've put them in separate fucking rooms to wake up from a really intense surgery and waking up from being under is an emotional, confusing, hard experience and they have separated them. It's sticky. I just think that's fucked, honestly. Correct. I I just think they should have been put in the same room right next to each other and the person that should be there when they wake up is a psych. Why have we not seen a psychologist from the very get-go? What was that voice? Why have we not seen a psychologist from the (laughs) get-go? Right? Before surgery, having a chat with them, being like, are you sure this is a huge, this is going to impact your life a lot, this is going to be really different, you've lived your lives together connected they're gonna have to learn gonna how to, to walk. oh my god they're gonna have to learn how to use their arms differently sit down yep roll over turn their necks probably like to, like correct the amount of physical therapy that will be required 
because one entire side of their body's musculature would probably be affected or underdeveloped um, from this having lived with literally someone holding you up your entire life. Yeah. Like I remember damaging my right hip and because I was walking funny for a few weeks, my left calf got really fucked up and I had to have physical therapy to sort my calf out afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the sort of thing that's going to happen here. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been really interested to see see a psych chat to them. Oh, I would have loved to have these two characters be in. I think it happens a little bit later where we have characters that kind of stick around in the background for like half a season and that they're being treated. Um, These ones would have been great for it because they're not getting out of that hospital for a while. You also had spinal surgery. You're not getting out. Also, you've got, apart from having this huge Mm -hmm. surgery, your life completely altered forever. One of them has come out of this surgery, doesn't have a girlfriend anymore, which was the only reason why they were getting this surgery in the first place. Just the big questions like, are you going to, do you have a second bed in your house? Yeah. Like, are you prepared for this? Yeah. Like, I have so many unanswered questions about all of this. Yeah, the ones are like. I'm so curious. I would have loved a follow-up with these two. I would have loved to watch, you know, a couple of episodes I would have loved to have had Callie involved with, um. Yeah. Doing rehab. Absolutely. Great. Mm-hmm. But all we get is <sighs> anyway one of our guys waking up quite disorientated, like you said, and then wheeling in the other one. And because one of them's not wearing glasses, I can't tell who's who, and I don't know if they put them on opposite sides of each other because I think that would be what I would do. They have put them on the opposite side. They've put them on the wrong side? Yeah, they've put them on the wrong side because when – Pete wakes up, he's talking to the girlfriend, and then they wheel in brother two, and he's on the opposite side now. And then they hold hands, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that movie with Matt Damon where they were conjoined twins who got disjoined and then they decided they liked life better, so they just wrapped each other around the middle with... I have not seen that. Yeah, it was absolutely a film. And thinking about it now, it was probably really off-colour. Yeah, I feel like that probably did not age well. Yeah. Um, but that's our episode. Yeah, the only thing we didn't really talk about is the incredibly written, beautiful telling off that Mr. O'Malley does to George. Oh, beautiful scene. And mm-hmm, he tells me, says, you should be nice to her. You're so angry. You have been picking fights. Yeah. Why are you so mad at Torres? And he just lists off everyone at the hospital that he's angry at and says, this is a long list of people to be angry at when the person you're really angry at is me. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Dad. Um, But George doesn't change because his brothers come in and call him Georgie and he screams at them and then his dad goes into VTAC and the surgery starts. But George is furious the whole time with Christina, but George isn't allowed into the surgery, obviously his family. So he's sitting in the scrub room. And he might be furious with Christina, but he's okay with Dr. Burke talking him through what's happening in his father's surgery. I mean, he's not necessarily okay. I don't think they went in there together for this reason. I think they were both in there because, you know, Burke was supposed to be doing this surgery. Burke has a weird fucking dick swinging context with Han and he wants to watch every single Mm -hmm. move she does in there. I also think he probably feels a bit protective over George because George was his guy for so long and guy. for George to yeah. have kind of lost some respect for him probably does rub Burke a little bit wrong, makes Burke a little bit upset, so he is watching over with a hawk's eye. But George comes in and George faces away so he can't see what's going on and Burke narrates narrates the surgery, which is a really lovely moment. Mm-hmm. But it's infuriating that he's so mad at Christina, who is in there, by the way. We're doing this surgery and doing it fucking well and getting positive reinforcement from Han, who is consistently being like, that was beautifully done, Christina. Great job, Yang. Well, it's crazy that you mentioned the dick swinging contest with Han because Han specifically says, you remind me a lot of myself. You're focused, you're intense, you're cold, and cold is a good thing. It is a compliment. The dating, the friends, the family, it's all overrated. It's all a bit much. And it's funny that 
with so much similarities between the two of them, how much Burke disdains Han but chooses Christina. That's interesting. And I, I actually think that's purely because Han he sees as competition, Christina he sees as under him. Subordinate. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, basically surgery starts going a little bit south and Han and Christina are working away and Han, uh, Christina offers to do a running whip stitch. Han's quite surprised but, you know, lets her get on with it because she needs a second set of hands and, as you said, is nothing but positive reinforcement. And Christina does a beautiful job and we can tell that Burke is impressed, but, yeah, fuck. George is furious that Christina is doing this part of the surgery, which is even, even the part that we spoke about before when Christina was like, "You all, uh, Meredith said you all need to let her off the hook. George literally just witnessed Christina save her father's, save his father's life and he still can't let her off the hook. Yeah. Because you said he was turned around. When he turned to look was when Christina was saving him mm-hmm. and doing that stitch that Han couldn't reach. But Burke finishes up talking George through this and he says, Han did a beautiful job. I wouldn't have done anything different. And I think that's comforting to George because we do know that George thinks Dr. Burke is the best surgeon even though he's absolutely furious that George's hand was doing tremors and all of that. So I think it is supposed to be like a comforting moment. Yeah. That he can't be kind to Christina? No. And that's, that's where I kind of had this note of George can forgive Burke enough to talk to him but can't forgive Yang after what she just did, it seems like George has a real yeah. problem with women. And I don't know if it's specific, totally. but I think it was, again, a, a big product of its time. Men have camaraderie and women are the competition. Yeah. You know, this, this, this Mars and Venus bullshit. George has such, George gives me such like this now modern idea of like what an incel is. It's like George is a precursor to that concept in a way I think that was just early thousands men a lot well I just and some he he like cannot he's so awful and he can't handle any woman doing anything that he wasn't expecting them to do or sleep with anyone that isn't him I don't know it's yuck I'd like to think that these behaviors have changed but if the Andrew Tates of the world still exist then these mentalities are still very much around. Yeah, they're definitely out there. Yeah. Our last scene of this episode is back with Meredith and her mum, and it's a really beautiful scene. This is Kate Burton showing us why she's a fucking legend, doing some brilliant acting. So good. Where We're back. Meredith is watching her mum kind of fall apart over Richard again, talking about how Richard's back with Adele, how she, she has to leave Thatcher even though she knows it's Meredith's dad, doesn't matter, she has to leave Thatcher, she can't handle it anymore. And Meredith hugs her. What you said at the very start of this episode about the weighted blanket, about the big squeeze, when you're having a moment Mm -hmm. and you're all flustered, she does this big squeezy bear hug. hug. It's It's a way to basically you can press a person Something about the womb and it's um supposed to be very calming. Well, it, it snaps Ellis back into the present moment. Mm-hmm. And she says, Meredith, and Meredith says, Mummy, and they hold each other. And it's just a really beautiful ending to this episode where everyone has been so, like, fiery and prickly and, and aggressive, not, not wanting to be close to anyone ending it with these two characters who have such a complicated relationship just embracing and really needing it was a beautiful way to end. Yeah, I think it was lovely and I can't wait until next episode. I want to see more of Dr. Hahn. I want Dr. Burke um, to go fuck himself. (laughs) 
for all of our Australian listeners, by the way, season 19 is completely up to date on Disney Plus. So everyone that me- uh, messages us and asks how we watch, um, well, th- this is how now. <laughs> Disney Plus. All the season 19 episodes, one to six, are all up and running. I'm ready to go. So if you are just watching it now, reach out, let us know how you are liking it. But otherwise, we will see you next week with more season three. Bye. Bye. Mommy don't know daddy's getting hot at the body shop doing something unholy. Cold shower time. Cold shower time.